Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander in Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcon. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. I'm Justin Mears, the host uh, moderator for the podcast, and we have Austin Lantain representing Navy, Scott Lopez representing Air Force, and Kayla Jackson representing Army. Um, we are going to be discussing Navy's schedule for this season. This is our second in a series of three episodes where we focus on one service academy team for the majority of the episode. Um, and last week we did Air Force, ran down their schedule, kind of gave our thoughts on each game. Scott headed that up, and we ended up with kind of a, a prediction or a vote for whether we thought win or loss. And we ended up actually thinking Air Force was going to have an 8-4 and four season collectively. Um, he tallied it all up. So um, we're going to do the same thing for Navy. It's going to be obviously an exciting season. A lot of changes. I'm sure Austin and his kind of overview will, will speak to that. But a lot of changes, especially on the defensive side of the ball, defensive staff. Um, Malcolm Perry is the guy at quarterback. We're going to see kind of, you know, good or bad all season, um, what he can do for an entire year in his senior year, um, coming off of a, a three and 10 season. So obviously, uh, maybe he's looking to rebound and rebound quickly. Um, and yeah, we'll get it. We'll get into the schedule and, and kind of the, who, who Navy's getting out of the AAC East for this year. Um, kind of recycling back through that for them now that they're been in the conference for a few years. Um, but before we do, I uh, just want to continue to push uh, August 30th from 5 to 6.30 p.m. Uh, we'll be at Mission Barbecue downtown Annapolis um, location, so the one on City Dock. Uh, and we will be doing a live recording of our podcast. Coincides with Austin and I's 10-year reunion from the Naval Academy. Um, so 2009 grads, come on out. You know, football parents of the Brotherhood, come on out. Mids, if you're on Liberty by then, come on out after the parade. Uh, maybe it'll rain and the parade will get canceled. We can hope for that. That's fine. Um, and, yeah, it'll be a really good time. Um, we have Eric Catani, a uh, former fullback for Navy and NFL player for several teams, the Patriots, the Redskins, the Jaguars, um, the Chiefs. So he'll be he'll be on um, as, a, as a former 09 grad and company mate of Austin and I's and guest. Uh, and Joe Miller, who's going to take over color commentator duties for – um, for, for from Coach O'Brien um, this season in the booth. He's been on the field um, as a sideline guy for Navy football radio for a while, but he's going to be in the booth this year with Pete Medhurst. He's going to come by um, on his way to call in a Navy men's soccer game that night and swing by for a few minutes and talk with us. Um, so it should be a really good time. Come on out, hang out. We'll be recording the show. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll have Seawolf Brewery. Um, there and then on Saturday we're going to be doing a, a tailgate uh, with Seawolf Brewery in conjunction with them. Um, we're in talks with them to kind of become our you know uh, unofficial or potentially official sponsor for the show, the podcast. Um, so we're really excited about that connection. Um, they've got a lot of good things going on. They're growing, um, especially in the Navy exchanges and and uh, other locations, especially in Virginia and Maryland area. They're opening. Um, place out in Chicago soon. I mean, they got a, they got a lot going on. Airmen and soldier 
breweries coming down the line. Um, so not just a Navy focused thing with Seawolf. Uh, so we're really excited about that partnership, that connection, and look forward to uh, working with them this season, not just at this first Navy Holy Cross game, but hopefully at Navy Air Force, uh, potentially, and, and Army Navy down the road too. So lots to look forward to getting into football season. We're, we're only a couple weeks away now. Everybody excited? Getting more excited? I'm I, this is the worst time because it's still yeah. it's still like three weeks away. Kayla's yeah, Kayla's back. Kayla's from the back. Woods, <laughs> just in time to get yes. in the football <laughs> mode. And she's it, and yes. she's planning on joining us at Mission Barbecue. I will be there very much. Um, hopefully, uh, loudly watching the Army game, so I'll provide a little bit yeah. of commentary <laughs> unofficially <It'd be> perfect. <laughs> and then hopefully a, what a month or so maybe longer later all four of us hopefully will be there for the navy uh, air force game yeah, yeah that would be awesome yeah that'll be a good time that'll be a really Definitely. good weekend too and uh yeah so welcome back to kayla i guess she's missed the last two episodes three episodes two episodes i don't know yeah i think two episodes um so she's been on her annual training with the with army and and out in the woods out in the field and so she's back ready to go we're going to talk Navy football. Everybody's excited. Football season is upon us. And like I think this is the worst time because it's still like three weeks away. But like I find myself looking at football stuff online way too much right now for it still to be three weeks away. Uh, but we're getting there. So I'm excited to talk Navy football, of course. Um, and it should be a good episode. Y'all ready to roll with it? Let's do it. All right. Navy's schedule this year, I already kind of mentioned, coming off the 3-10 season. Austin, uh, give us a little bit of an overview before we jump into game-by-game analysis. Yeah, sure. I, I think we've covered this a few times in regards to just the question marks that surround Navy, Navy football this year, right? I know a 3-10 and 10 season last year is not in line with Coach Ken's career or with the Navy program as a whole, only the second losing season under his tenure. Uh, so a lot of people expect him to come back, but then just a lot of unproven talent across the board. And then you got the, the shift and putting Malcolm Perry back at quarterback. You already mentioned that. And what does that entail? Uh, so you look at the schedule and, you know, you, you think the season could go anyway. So I think we'll learn in a couple of weeks into the season in regards to what Navy team we have this year. But here in early August, it's it's still kind of an unknown. And that's kind of exciting if you're a Navy fan, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, and we've, we've hit on the defensive changes. Brian Newberry's come in. I mean, basically almost the entire defensive staff is – is new um and we we brought up already some of the uh, questions from spring ball the depth chart and moving people around shifting people around um and it just seems like i mean obviously it makes sense but they're just trying to get the the most athletic most talented people that you know in these in these hybrid positions which there are multiples of in his scheme in this four two five um with a flex three four type scheme um it, yeah any thoughts on the defense in particular uh no i mean you you hit the head in terms of um you can tell the athletes are being the hybrid spot like who's gonna have to cover downfield and obviously like a five five receiver set uh navy doesn't want to get beat in that kind of formation um but also still wants to get some pressure at the quarterback so how how can they disrupt the line uh, and yet still provide some some solid coverage in the secondary downfield so I think how that dynamic works with uh, Coach Newberry is going to be telling. He's had success with it in the past. Obviously, the American Athletic Conference is, is going to be a little different, uh, maybe for what he's used to. But um, it'll it'll be it'll be fun to watch unfold. Yeah, for sure. Um, Scott 
Kayla, any either of you have any overarching thoughts on Navy's schedule? Are you ready? Uh, um, I I think I mean you guys are going to do the best job at, at covering it and kind of giving actual real insight. So I think what I'll probably do is and and maybe Kayla will do the same is just kind of fill in where with the questions that I would have as somebody who isn't as familiar with Navy as, as I am with maybe say Air Force. Um, so I will, the first thing I'll do is kind of throw the question to you guys that I was asked last week, but I'll put a little twist on it. As far as the AAC goes, with all the shakeup this year with UConn, I think they're maybe under a little, a little bit of a spotlight. Maybe that's actually dimming. We're just kind of too close to the microscope. But is there room for you as a Navy fans and as Navy as a school to have a rivalry in the AAC considering the fact that you have Army, Navy, um, and then Ar- uh, Navy, Air Force, and Notre Dame on there? That's, I mean, a, a very good question. And I think I was the one who mentioned it last uh, podcast that it's, it's hard to go that deep for any program when you talk about rivalries, right? I mean, I think Army will always be at the top of the list. Air Force will be second. Notre Dame, even though we might not match them in terms of talent or performance on a yearly basis, it's still a special bond rivalry that exists there and so yeah by then you're like all right is it really a rival if it's the fourth or fifth biggest i don't want to say biggest game but uh, most exciting game of the year whatever you want to call but i don't know early on when when things were going well it was fun to play houston uh because it seemed like that game mattered we've upset memphis a couple times which has made it exciting as a navy fan where you feel like something is there but uh then you've kind of got the trophies that we've talked about well, I guess just the trophy, the Gons trophy, right? With no, SMU. speak it into existence. Uh, it exists. The yeah, Trident the, trophy. The Trident, <laughs> I guess. The Trident trophy of Tulane. I would love for Tulane to be like the best rivalry. Like, what better excuse to go to New Orleans every other year than for what you would want to call the AAC's <laughs> biggest rivalry game, the Trident trophy? Yeah, I mean, and we're talking about a conference that, that had a coach in, speaking of UConn, right, and Bob Diaco, who made up a rivalry um, in the old conflict uh, trophy uh, in the in the, the UConn, um, you know, rivalry for, for um, that was what, UCF? Is that right? Yeah, UCF in Connecticut, Connecticut. And uh, that just, he like, tried to make it out of thin air, created his own trophy, um, and and UCF was like, what, this is no, no, you guys are not our rivals. This is not a rivalry. So like forcing it, I don't think is going to work. Um, fan bases, I think for Tulane and Navy both would like that. And that's a, that's a weird one to say too, right? Like that you're, you desire Tulane to be your rival in the conference, but um, just from a fan base perspective and interacting with um, fear the wave uh, blog and those guys and just kind of the, the on Twitter and stuff with the fan bases, yeah, I would say I, I would be in agreement. Like that's the one I would want to see. Um, if I was picking the the team, and and I agree with you, I don't think there is a defined rivalry. It's definitely nothing in the East. There's not gonna, it's not ever gonna be in the East. Um, and, and in the West, um, in the AAC West, I would say Memphis is. If I was just looking at the first four years or whatever of the games, um, and the way those have gone and upsetting, you were there when we beat them in the Liberty Bowl, right? Um, and you know, that was a big, they were ranked then. That was a, I mean, we, we beat them good, pretty good. Right. Um, I don't remember what the score was there. Yeah. I remember at halftime there, there were Tigers fans. Yeah. And, uh, and then they were 17th in the country or something then somewhere 20th, somewhere around there. And then last year, um, you know, in a game where it was uh, the, the elements, the weather definitely played a factor in that game, but we, we beat them, um, in a season in which they had a really good year, um, went to the conference championship game. Um, so I think uh, th- th- those two upsets plus, I mean, just in general, I like the Houston game. They're fun I mean, just because it's been Houston. It's been fun. But, um, 
and we did upset them when they were like number six in the country. So there was that too. But but in general, they've kind of had our number at Houston so far, and and so I don't know. I would I would say Memphis if I was trying to pick one that I would kind of um, push as as a rivalry, but one that I would want is definitely Tulane in that Trident Trophy. The sorry, aside aside, I was, I was gonna say aside from rivalry, I was gonna ask what do you think, and you know, putting off. Um, the Air Force game and Army game, like the most entertaining game to watch because you bring that up Memphis and I was going to say that just kind of based off sheer numbers um, and going against each other, Got that kind of seems like, you know, talent versus talent and kind of scoring over the past couple of years, that would be the most entertaining. I think Houston also, especially with now that they're going to have not the same coaching staff that they had <laughs> in the previous, you know, season, you know, after losing to Army, which I also think will be interesting to see how they kind of recap from that. But I feel like watching Navy and Memphis is going to be um, kind of just up against each other, maybe the most entertaining to watch. I don't know. What do you guys think in terms of uh, kind of scheduling, yeah. putting off aside kind of the, the usual? Yeah, I'll answer games. too, obviously. But uh, I mean, I definitely, as far as games I'm looking for, well, there's, I mean, there's several games I'm looking forward to, and we're going to break it down game by game. But yes, Memphis, I have a concern, and, and Scott actually brought this up with Air Force not playing Boise early in the season for the first time in a while. Um, this is now two years in a row that Navy's played Memphis early, and I really hope that doesn't become like a trend in the schedule um, because that year in the Liberty Bowl, that was pretty late in the season, right? Like It was at least October, maybe even November. Uh, I think it was November, um, and I, I kind of like having that game later in the year, especially if, if Memphis is going to continue to be you know as good as they're going to be. Maybe, maybe it's better to catch them early. Um, I don't know, but... Uh, I, I don't know that that probably will be one of the most exciting conference games and it's you know game three of the year and second conference game outside of ECU and it'll be kind of over pretty quick and then um, yeah I don't know Austin your thoughts um, no I, mean, I, I would agree I mean I, I think the Tulane matchup has always been like a good game it seems like too in the rivalry um, and they've kind of every year it seems like been improving I think you get like one extra win a year uh, so they've under Willie Fritz at least right so I think they've had success that has kind of been a good balance for Navy football in terms of the uh, since they've joined the conference has created co- competitive matchups. But one thing on the Memphis side that many people might not be familiar with unless you're familiar with the Navy is there's a pretty solid Navy pre- uh, presence in Memphis because of Millington. So all of our like personnel, ah, yeah, that's like our, our personnel office base like across the yeah, country. Navy personnel commands in Mem- is in Millington and used to be actually a some an aviation some aviation units out there yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah it's, it's a big navy presence um for sure um tennessee is obviously um well maybe not obviously I, I maybe shouldn't make that assumption same type thing tennessee is a huge recruiting state for for navy i mean absolutely huge um obviously texas for all service academies and florida i mean all those recruiting hotbeds but if you look outside of maybe that i mean tennessee um, has produced more quality Navy football players in the last decade than any other state. And so just that fact alone, I think, too, adds to it. So good questions, good questions. Anything else before we jump into the games? No? All right, let's go through, uh, let's go through the first, like, two games, and then we'll take a break. Um, shouldn't take too long. So week one, Saturday, 3.30, luckily. No, all 3.30 games at home this year, so don't have to worry about a noon game. Um, on the entire schedule for home games at least. So that's, that's actually really, really nice. Um, even that opening game is three thirty, <laughs> Um, and that's something army fans have complained about a bunch. Um, it, you know, in previous seasons is, um, is 
is getting those noon games in order to get on TV, having to take the yep. noon, the noon slot for their for their home games. But yeah, Holy Cross. Um, so FCS opponent, Patriot League um, foe, and and many other um, sports. What we got? Yeah. So uh, Holy Cross um, is picked to finish second this year in the Patriot League. We talked about Colgate on the last podcast with Air Force, right? Um, they are kind of the, the top of the Patriot League, so Holy Cross kind of being right behind them. But I think there's a pretty solid gap kind of between the two. I think it's it's worth noting, I mentioned it last week, the Patriot League is not necessarily like a hotbed FCS conference by any means. Uh, but Colgate has risen to be kind of the cream of the crop up within it. But Holy Cross obviously competing with that. If you look at last year, they lost to Colgate 24-17. So one-score game. It was opening weekend. Uh, this year they feature three returning all Patriot League team members, uh, two men on the O-line, Brian Foley and Brett Bo- uh, Bodie. And they also have a running back, Dominic Cozier, who had eight touchdowns and averaged nearly five yards per carry last year in 2018. So with a solid O-line and a solid running back, you have to assume that's what they're going to want to do is run the ball. Um, the uh, head coach, Bob Chesney, it's his second year there. Uh, and I think two weeks after they play Navy, they actually play Syracuse. So it's not Navy is not necessarily the biggest name on their schedule this year by any means, but... It'll be something that I think they're going to live up to in terms of it's kind of nearby. I mean, Holy Cross isn't exactly nearby, but it's in the Northeast. It's the Patriot League footprint. So I, uh, I don't think the travel or anything is going to get to them or playing on a big stage or anything like that. So I expect we're going to see the best in Holy Cross. But um, I do expect Navy to to show flashes of their new offense and their new defense. I think with some athleticism will allow Navy to pull out uh, – a decent victory, which I think when Scott was talking about Air Force, he was like, oh, you know, the Air Force is going to win the first week, the Cupcake FCS game, and then it's going to be like this false sense of security or whatever, and then the team's confidence. But I don't know if we'll get that far, but I do think maybe should should handle the game fairly easily. Scott, Kayla, uh, so you got a Navy, vi- Navy victory there, obviously, against Holy Cross. Scott, Kayla, we, we got um, Navy winning this. Any thoughts on Holy Cross? Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to... No, I was just saying yes to the win. Yeah. No, yes to the win. I'm kind of wondering if there's... And I, you know, for lack of better terms, I hate using the, the term like cupcake season. But over kind of like, is this a game that you would rather see like later on? I, I mean, I don't have any kind of insight in kind of how planning and scheduling and what games come first, what games come second. But do you think that this... Um, and we'll go into... we get into the second one for ECU that this properly kind of prepares Navy going forward, um, playing Holy Cross and then playing um, the second team kind of, you know, in their upcoming schedule, being that we have them winning? Um, I, I, I don't know if it's a guaranteed first week game, but we do have, whether it's official or unofficial, Justin might know, a contract essentially to play Patriot League football every single year. So if you look at Army, you look at Air Force, you look at Notre Dame, there's only one week left. Uh, to fit in that 12-game schedule when you talk about the conference. So it's the Patriot League. Um, so I imagine this will more often than not be early on. And now in 2020, we, we open up with Notre Dame because that game is being played in Ireland like a week. I forget if it's technically week zero. It might be yeah. still uh, uh, Labor uh, Day weekend. I mean, it's it's August 29th, so that's probably Labor okay. Day weekend. But then, but then it is another Patriot League opponent um, the very next, or on September 12th, um, against Lafayette. So... Um, 
I, I, do I like it? I mean, I don't mind it. I, I think the schedule should allow for one kind of FCS opponent. I think it makes sense to be at the beginning of the year, and I think it's makes sense to read the Patriot League. I know it's kind of the downside of maybe having the, the schedule that Navy has in terms of being tied into a conference, but I don't hate it. Yeah, and I'll just echo that same sentiment. Like, it's not really going to change um, for the most part now. If you look at future schedules, that kind of Patriot League unofficial um, game each year only extends through next year, through 2020. And then there's, uh, I don't think, anything on the schedule yet. But that's kind of something that Chet, I'm glad Chuck, the AD at Navy, um, has, has, has been doing is um, kind of agreeing to give, because it's, it's a huge boost for the Patriot League because um, it is one of the bigger games that those teams are going to get and it, against an FBS opponent. Um, and obviously we have a great relationship with them because we're in that conference um, for pretty much every other sport. So giving them a chance, one team a chance from the Patriot League every year to come to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium and play an FBS opponent um, like Navy, yeah, I mean, it's always going to pretty much be the first week because the only other thing you can move around really is the, is Notre, either Notre Dame or Air Force. Um, Air Force is always that kind of first weekend in October pretty much. And then, so then that leaves Notre Dame. And aside from the occasional year we play them in Ireland or something like that, like next year, um, it's going to be the way it's going to be. And so, uh, yeah, so there's really only that one extra game in the schedule. So if you look at 2021, Navy has a game with Marshall. Uh, I guess there won't be a Patriot League team that year because there's only there's only one game available for Navy to schedule with an, an, a non-conference opponent that's not Notre Dame, uh, Air Force, or Army. So does that answer your question? Caleb? Yeah. Cool. So we got a victory um, for Navy against Holy Cross. It'll definitely be interesting to see um, what – I think it'll be a, a pretty solid victory too in that second half. But um, I just – just there's just so many unknowns, right, and, and what Navy's bringing. Not, I'm not suggesting it's going to be a close game. But um, I just think that it may take a little bit to kind of feel that out um, on both sides of the ball this year. So, um, yeah, Holy Cross victory. Then bye week, right? Let's let's take a break. Bye week. I think the same as Air Force. Same as Air Force. Not a podcast break, but you know what I'm saying. Air Force yeah. is a week two bye, right? Two, <laughs> yeah, they do. Is that right? So that's going to be a, a, a take a take a vacation week for AAE. You're only going to have to cover uh, cover Army that week, I guess. So, One, um, which is is that Army Michigan? That the first se- one, the yeah. One, yeah. Well, so I, I think or second, that actually. So yeah. that'll, that'll be big. We'll yeah. just have a big. Army Michigan week because everybody else will be on a bye. So yeah, get that early break <laughs> in after after playing Holy Cross. That's important. Um, then we get ECU conference game. ECU, yeah. Chance uh, chance to start the season two and zero. Right? You couldn't uh, you couldn't script that much better. I guess you could have thrown UConn <laughs> in there, but ECU is probably the next best opponent you want, and that's actually not giving ECU enough credit. I think they have. Uh, a lot of potential under first-year head coach Mike Houston. Mike Houston came from JMU. He's had a lot of success in the FCS level. Uh, really kind of getting his his big break in terms of playing or coaching at East Carolina. But I don't think it's going to happen in the very first year. The team has struggled struggled on the recruiting front over the last two or three seasons and just kind of gone the wrong direction. Um, so I don't think he's going to be able to write the ship necessarily right away. But uh, they did finish three and nine last year, one and seven in conference play. They are picked to finish fifth in the AAC East this year, which is ahead of UConn. Of note, we talked about what their East, what Navy's East matchups are this year. Their cross division uh, are games, and I definitely think they were on the the beneficiary side of that when you look at the schedule because they all, and we'll talk about it more. But ECU, UConn, and USF, USF being the hardest, but also has some question marks 
with what their team's going to look like. So not a bad draw. It's better than you know UCF and Cincinnati that they had to face last year. Um, but they do. Uh, they started a true freshman last year in Holton, Holton Aylers, who uh, is supposed to come back this year. So I imagine an improvement there if it's a second-year QB getting rid of the the true freshman kind of nerves. And uh, I do think EC will be approved or, or be an improved squad. But I think playing them so early is going to benefit Navy. Uh, FanDuel has them at the over/under of three and a half wins per year, or three and a half wins for the 2019 season. So I like Navy's chances here as well. Oh, uh, I gotta say, when when I saw you listed the over unders, I thought you were talking about points for a second. Then I was like, is he mixing this up with spread? I was like, what is going on? Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, so what I will say, um, and I mean, I think this is obviously a win. There's especially as as an Air Force contributor, I, I don't think there's much you can much more you can say. But I did want to say this about the schedule. As much as I complain about how Air Force does their buy and their scheduling, I really like Navy's the way it's set up. And I kind of like it as an Air Force fan, too. But I, I think if you're a Navy fan, there's nothing to complain about. They really kind of ease themselves in. And when you think about some of the players and some of the question marks, like obviously Malcolm Perry has been named the starting quarterback. But they have plenty of time to make adjustments. And when you have two bye weeks off, um, and then you know you have that conference play that starts out with ECU, and then you have that week off and roll into Memphis, that's not an impossible test by any means, but that'll be a good game. And then... I think it's a good tune-up for Air Force, and then you really have the... So if something bad were to happen, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but if something bad were to happen at Memphis, you still have time to salvage uh, the conference record. So I think this is a really good placement for ECU, and I agree, I think ECU will be improved. Um, But this should be a win, but that's just really something that I'm thinking about. Like This is fantastic across the board, in my mind. That's an interesting point. I didn't think about that in terms of kind of being able to kind of look back at the drawing board and actually give them time to say, okay, this was um, kind of games that we, you know, expected to perform well. Now we can kind of use that as kind of analyzing going forward. I will say for ECU, though I expect them, Navy, to win, um, kind of in a similar uh, kind of predicament for their kind of most recent, like, camp update, they had two quarterbacks that were rotating um, through their first and second uh, unit. So I thought that was interesting, um, especially coming off the news now that we know that Malcolm Perry is going to be the go-to guy going forward. Um, but kind of how Scott was saying, um, I think it's going to just be one of those things where you can kind of like notch it on the board and kind of see how they go forward and kind of look back at the drawing board. But I have I have Navy winning against ECU as well. All right. Yeah, at, you bring up a good point on the ECU front. Um, I was just reading an article about their, I think their most recent scrimmage where um, – they're saying there's a QB battle between the returner and a, a Reed Herring uh, to take first and second team snaps and looked about even. So with a new coach, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do. Yeah, and they're coming into this game off of Gardner-Webb, so they're going to, I mean, they will have played NC State um, in their first week. So they'll be tested already. But but I, I, I you said maybe we kind of joked laughing. Oh, maybe, you know, aside from UConn, couldn't have a better first game. I actually honestly, knowing you have to play all those teams, based on the schedule, I want ECU right now. Like, first conference game for Mike Houston. Um, Immediately. <laughs> for, I mean, should be a win. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's perfectly placed. I think it's a win. Mike Houston's going to be, uh, I feel like, a really good coach at ECU if given some time. So the way that the whole two-year cycle falls into, like, it's good because you get him this first year, first conference game, you're going to get him next year, but then you don't have to get him for two years. So, like, It'll be a few years for you know if we have to worry about it again um, down the road, um, and then ab- and absolutely I think it's a good point, good place to bring up before we go to a break um, that 
to echo Austin's point. So it's a it's a three team rotation across the division, at least for now, until we figure out exactly what's going on with now that UConn's leaving. But um, so you play the same team two years, once at home, once away, with the th- three teams in the East. Um, and so Navy's split is ECU, UConn, USF, and then the other side is UCF, um, Temple, and Cincinnati. And so we're coming off two seasons of UCF, Cincinnati, and Temple, all good squads, really good squads. Um, so this is obviously the easier easier of the the four-year span for Navy. Um, and so I feel like it's just it's a blessing to get that this year coming off the 3-10 and 10 season to be rotating back to ECU, UConn. <laughs> any USF team that's going to be good, but that it certainly has question marks. So just like Austin said, so we got Navy heading into the next week by week. So we can go ahead and cover that by week after that before Memphis. Um, so two by weeks in the first four weeks um, for Navy, but they get that ECU game out of the way. And then absolutely, hopefully between two games and two by weeks have a lot to look at and, and continue to improve, continue to install that defense um, before we take on Memphis in uh, what I guess is week five, but third game for Navy. Um, so Navy's a 2-0 and heading into that we have. All right, we're going to take a break real quick. Um, when we come back, we're going to dive into uh, uh, certainly a tough stretch um, for Navy over the next couple of games after that. So uh, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. We left off Navy's 2-0 and on the season, heading into off of a bye week, their second bye week of the year. Um, into week five uh, against a Memphis team um, that won the AC West last year, but Navy did happen to beat, and as we kind of already mentioned, in a game that involved some of the elements, some rain um, at home. This one's away at Memphis. Memphis picked to win the West um, again, and so it's going to be a tough game for sure. Austin, what are you uh, what are you thinking about as Navy travels to Memphis to the Liberty Bowl? Yeah, so first away game of the year in, in 2019. Memphis finished 8-6 and six last year, did win the AAC West last year, lost in the title game to UCF. Oddly enough, they did lose to Navy last year as well. So we talked about that kind of at the beginning of the year, weather certainly played a factor in that. But early on in the season, Navy pulled out a win against a Memphis team that probably improved as the season went on, and Navy kind of went the other direction. Um, but they're going to be a, a solid a solid team in the AAC this year. Uh, the return uh, QB Brady White, who's actually on the preseason watch list for the College Football Performance Award, which if you're not familiar with, uh, previous winners include uh, Tua, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton. I think Derrick Henry won it as well. Um, so if he's on the, one of like 30 or 40 kind of preseason finalists for that award, it's going to be someone who, who has a lot of ability at the quarterback position. And you can just look at last year's stats where he threw for over 3,300 yards and 26 touchdowns. They also have a weapon and running back and Patrick Taylor, who had 16 touchdowns last year. Uh, a preseason first-team all-AAC um, member at wide receiver in DeMonte Coxie. So their skill set is also not limited in the offense. They've got um, some solid defense. They've got two first-team members on um, the defensive line, and Dustin Woodward and Bryce Huff as preseason first-team All-AAC all AAC team members. So when you look at Memphis and you look at what they have, you, you realize they are going to be a formidable opponent on both sides of the ball, and I think uh, it being a game in Memphis is going to be a, a very tall task for Navy, not impossible by any means because you look at previous results, the Navy seems to play Memphis pretty well. 
but I will give the edge to Memphis here as it's a Thursday night game as well. So they're going to have a few more days to prepare for the triple option. Uh, they're looking at about a, um, I don't know, maybe it's, what is that, a 10, 11, 12 game or 12 day break between games. So that doesn't do Navy any favors in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really tough game. One thing I guess I will say before I toss it over for other, well, before we vote on what we think the outcome will be, um, this is a Memphis team that did lose who I, I thought was um, maybe some UCF fans would, would get mad at me. Um, Greg McRae, former um, Navy actu- <laughs> Navy player, actually, um, really good running back. But Darrell Henderson last year for Memphis, I mean, that dude was just putting up insane numbers. Um, every time he touched the ball, it feels like it was a touchdown. I don't even remember what he averaged um, yards per carry. But, I mean, he was he was one of the best running backs in college football last year, hands down, um, now with the, the L.A. Rams. And Tony Pollard, their kick returner and wide receiver, like he had the FBS record for kickoff return touchdowns and um, really good wide receiver. And so they lose some really good skilled players. Um, and I think part of the prediction um, for, you know, this season for – them winning the West probably has to do with Dana Holgerson first year at Houston, but also um, expecting big things from Brady White, which I think he'll have a good year. But I don't know. He kind of showed flashes, but um, wasn't super consistent the whole season last year. So I think they're putting a lot of emphasis um, in these predictions on the success that Brady White has at quarterback for Memphis this year. So whatever that's worth. But it is at Memphis, which, of course, is going to be a challenge. So... Uh, any thoughts, Scott or Kayla? Yeah, so, and I mean, just to keep going with Brady White, he's also on the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award watch list with guys like Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, uh, and Matt Ryan, who have won that in the past. So there is a huge amount of pressure, I think, on him. Um, and if you kind of look at their schedule last season, one of the big things that I that really jumps out at me is they did not like low scoring or close games. They did have two close games, one against Navy last year and then one against UCF, which were only had a one point margin. But other games like Houston was fifty two to thirty one, and that was a win. But then on the same time, they lost to Missouri thirty three to sixty five. So I think that's really a testament to how much they needed to um, really not just I think let Brady White go out and just gun the ball and just give the ball right back to the op- the opposing team. But I think as long as they can improve their defense and slow down, I think um, they'll actually be pretty good this year. But you've got to think that that Navy really has to come to play. Um, they can't be timid. They have to score because uh, I think any points are going to be answered. And I think that's a pretty tall order uh, for how questionable they've kind of been at quarterback. Um, at this point, I am going to say that I think Memphis takes the win on it, but um, after a few weeks of Malcolm Perry, I mean, I could be totally changing my tune, but for right now, that's, that's what I got to go with. Interesting. I will say kind of on the similar kind of in, in Navy perspective. So Memphis also has a new defensive coordinator kind of talking about what the defense is going to be like in Adam Fuller, um, and kind of just looking in, and doing some read in before they too have a good mix of vets and rookies on their defensive line that'll I think on in terms of like the depth chart can kind of be starkening for Navy to be able to watch when they meet I also think it's interesting that Memphis they their first game is Ole Miss <laughs> at 11 I just want to like put that out there I don't know who was behind the planning of that but I think that's really interesting and kind of um kind of going off what Scott was saying and, and last year and kind of how they work with scoring and in, in, in terms of patterns coming off of Ole Miss and then seeing Navy as their third game. Um, I think it'll be interesting to watch, but I also 
not really sure if I'd necessarily have Navy kind of being an outright winner for so the game. I'm going to make, make you actually say it then. You think Navy loses this game, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> so nice. That's the best way to put it. Yes. I don't have exactly <laughs> the outright winner for the game. <laughs> hey, for, on the right. record, the year Navy beat Memphis upset them when they were ranked. Uh, a couple weeks before that, Memphis had beaten Ole Miss. Yeah, and that's, I mean, how far oh, is that? Okay. What, well, hour, should, what, an hour and a half? I don't even remember. An hour? Yeah, not an hour and a half. Not an hour and a half. Yeah. So, a little over an hour. Um, close, two, two close schools for sure. All right, so we already got two L's, so the pressure's off you, Austin, if you want to call this an L, but you can call it a W-2. Either way, it's going to go down in our <laughs> tally as a loss. So what do you think? Oh, yeah, I think I concluded mine by saying it. I, I, I nicely put it as I don't think Navy's going to get the win as okay. well. <laughs> All right, I would uh, concur, but I think it, I think it'll be close. Um, uh, maybe maybe closer than I don't I don't know what the spread will be in that game, but if both teams play well in the first few weeks, it'll probably be skewed towards Memphis, and I would that might be a game I'd look at, at taking Navy for sure. Um, all right, so now we got Navy at two and one, uh, heading into the first leg of the Commander and Chiefs Trophy, coming off of uh, the road game at Memphis. Um, but that game is on a Thursday night, right? The Memphis game. So um, coming back a little bit, little bit extra time, I guess, um, before taking on Air Force at home. We covered that game last week on the podcast. We don't have to dissect the entire game again. And just the we went over kind of the fact that since 2012, the home team has won every game. And even those couple of years, um, 11 and 12, it was uh, overtime games, really close games by a point or so. Um, so it's always a close game between Air Force and Navy, usually, and usually the home team comes away with it. Um, last week we gave it to Navy, but that was a two-to-one vote from the Navy guys <laughs> against um, Scott and the Air Force <laughs> vote. So I'm going to back out of the – I'm not including my vote in this week's vote. So I'm going to give Kayla a chance to give her thoughts. But, Scott, um, anything that you want to kind of go over as far as um, the Air Force-Navy game from maybe looking at it the other the other perspective as – as much as you can be unbiased in doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast um, or seen any of my writing, I, I've talked about this pretty much in nauseum. but the new kind of developments I did want to talk about, I think you could start to see a little bit of pressure that's building um, on Troy Calhoun. He's being a little bit more vocal, which was something that I think is crazy to see from him. He actually came out and made some comments about Ben Waters, um, who's going to be playing as a slot receiver this season. And he talked about who's going to be getting reps and things like that. Um, so I, I get the sense that there's a little bit of pressure that he realizes that he's coaching for his next move when his contract expires in 2021. Um, and then just looking at last season, obviously Air Force pulled out that win. And I said this, I do not think that uh, Air Force can go in expecting the same team that they saw last year. And then, of course, the third variable is really that it's a home game for Navy, um, which always makes it so... I think if you're a Navy fan, I think it would be wise to watch Air Force and how they play very closely leading into this game. The other thing that's kind of a disadvantage for Air Force that would make me happy as a Navy fan is their Air Force's scheduling. Um, it's really kind of wonky. They start out with a really easy game, then swing to the other side with a Power 5 game, and then they play two completely opposite ends of the spectrum with conference play, and then they go straight into Navy. So there's really a lot up in the air right now um, for how Air Force is going to do. Um but I would also be a little, I would be nervous if I was Navy, but I, I still got to stay on it. Even trying to stay unbiased, I think Air Force has what it takes um, to, beat, to beat Navy, especially at this point. But like I said, it, it's just, it's a tough call right now, and I do go back and forth. 
Yeah, we know it's going to be close. We know that. Austin, if there's anything you want to add, obviously you can add something. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to not let you speak on behalf. I was just, you know, we kind of already covered it in the first week. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I just give the edge to the home team, so I, I'm going to give the edge to Navy on this one. So I'm leaving it up to Kayla to decide who's going to All right, Kayla. Who's going to take That's it home. <laughs> I think Navy, I don't believe it's going to be the sort of record – you know, as as last year at all, like Scott said, I think it's a totally different team. Do I see it at the 35-7? Definitely not. Um, and I think kind of having that home advantage is going to be something that Navy can can cling to. But I so so I'll put Navy right. going forward. Let's go, Kayla. Stop You're welcome nice. to Annapolis. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I, you see how hard that was for me to say. <laughs> Just wait till we talk Army next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll so, yeah. I'll save all of that all right. later. Like it, good <laughs> stuff. So we have Navy actually a three and one heading into <laughs> or heading on the road to Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> to take on the gold. Already ahead. Um <laughs> yeah, so Tulsa, what you got awesome? Yeah, again, I mean when you look at this schedule, it's it's beneficial. So yeah, now you're hitting on the hitting on the road going to Tulsa. Tulsa's only predicted to win four and a half games this year at the over under. Finished three and nine in twenty eighteen. They did suffer an eight point loss to Navy. And they are actually picked to finish last in the West behind Navy, who's picked to finish fifth. Um, they do have some dynamic running backs that combined for eighteen hundred yards and eighteen touchdowns last year in Shamari Brooks and Corey Taylor. Um, but I, I think this is <laughs> It's crazy to think that Navy might be four and one at this point, but the way the schedule is set up, it it's it's very very possible. And uh, I see Navy with a road win here. Yeah, um, Scott, Kayla, either of you have any thoughts? I mean, I'll, I'll throw mine in there. Not outright for me. Okay, nothing specific, Scott. What you got? Anything on Tulsa, or at least let me get the vote. So. Yeah, I'll give it to Navy on this one. I think this is a nice little, like I said, the schedule, you really couldn't pick a better schedule in, in terms of game placement if you're Navy. Um, as I did see um, their running back core play a little bit last year, and they're good. They're really um, they're really efficient, but I think Navy can scheme up something to stop their run game. <coughs> and I think it's a nice little tune-up before USF. I hope you're right. <laughs> All right, so we got we got another Navy victory. I'll also go ahead, Kayla. Oh, I was gonna say, just note in terms of uh, kind of who they're going up against. So Tulsa Chandler Miller, who was at center, and a couple of their starters for on- offensive line are gone, and so I think um, kind of moving into that depth chart, they have a lot of rookies um, on the O line, and like Navy can use that uh, kind of to their advantage going forward. So that's just something to note. Yeah, and this, I mean, this was the only bright spot. Post, uh, post, well, I guess Lehigh, but um, that that Memphis win last year for Navy, right? Was that this was the only other victory? I mean, they they would have would have lost um, ten in a row, I guess, without that uh, to end their year. So the, last year they were able to beat them. This should be a Navy win. Um, it is, you know, it is an away game, um, so there is that to be, you know, to be spoken for, um, and. Yeah, I mean, we still just don't know the, what team we're going to get this year, but I'm glad that I'm glad we actually have a 3-0 vote on that um, for Navy being at four and one. I guess this, I hope this isn't a challenge to Tulsa Hur- Golden Hurricane fans. But I'm not really intimidated by their their fan support no. and their home crowd. No. I mean, there is the traveling element <laughs> and obviously all that, but I think I remember seeing a a Taco Bell logo like behind the end zone, like they're 
behind their stadium. So I don't, I don't even know where it is, but <laughs> yeah, it can't be too intimidating environment. You know, another thing that we didn't, uh, it, I could have done our due diligence on before this that we could look up after is where six and 12 week exams fall in this um, schedule, because that is just, that has really caused mm-hmm. problems for Navy um, uh, in recent years. Think back to the Temple game two years ago, uh, which was a Thursday night game during 12 weeks, I believe. Um, and Navy just laid a, a goose egg that game. And so I don't know where it falls in here, but getting somewhere close to, to where it would be, and they don't really have a bye week right now. So um, I know that's been an emphasis that, that Coach Ken has, has taken under consideration for how to mitigate that. But playing a football game during exam week um, is tough. So maybe we'll look that up and, and get back on that. But all right. Um, so we actually have Navy at 4-1. and one. They come back home once again. Um, the schedule is set up really nice because, um, yeah, they, they've, they're coming back home for a couple of games against good teams, um, but certainly, I think, winnable games. So the first team that comes to town is the South Florida Bulls and Charlie Strong um, coming off of kind of a weird season. So what, what can we expect from USF? Yeah, that's that's the biggest challenge. It's it's going to be a big question mark season for Charlie Strong. Uh, had a seven-game winning streak last year, followed by a six-game losing streak to finish the season off. So uh, he's, at this point of the year, could very well be on the hot seat if USF is not performing to expectate. I don't really know what expectations are. FanDuel has them at eight wins over under. I haven't looked at their schedule entirely, but I don't know if I would put that much stock in USF under Charlie Strong. For whatever reason, it's just something has happened in the latter half of that season where they just were not clicking. Even earlier on in the season last year when they were winning, they weren't really like blowing anybody out of the water. It just didn't seem like they were putting the pieces of the puzzle together like they should because I think they have the talent. I mean, the state of Florida has good players, but um, there's something going on there. By this point of the year, you're going to know one way or the other, but I, I you know, I have a hard time seeing Navy get to five and one. So I'm going to give USF the edge here and the win more so because at this point I like Navy's chances of being four and two more so than five and one. That's, that's really kind of where I am. And I mean, I just, I don't see them going five and one either. Um, however, in a weird way, I do kind of think that Navy has a better chance of getting tripped up by a team like maybe, ECU oh, more more than USF. So I, I think they will go 4-2. Um, but just given what I'm saying, I, I totally agree. I mean, even when they played against uh, like Tulsa last year, it was 25-24. I mean, that's, that's crazy thin margins against a team that, in theory, they should be beating the brakes off of. Um, so just because Austin kind of gave that vote, I will go ahead and say that I think Navy can win this game. Um, but, yeah. Like I said, it kind of backtracks it. I don't think they'll be 5-1, and one, but I still think they'll win this game. All right, so does that mean we have another deciding vote for Kayla then? Yes. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, <laughs> okay, so so I think that the USF schedule is going to be interesting for them going up against Navy because they play Wisconsin first off, um, which is a night game for them, and they have Georgia Tech, South Carolina State, all before meeting Navy, which I think kind of – can give them a competitive edge in terms of meeting these teams a little bit early on. So I don't know. I don't necessarily don't want to give it to Navy, not necessarily just because I don't think they can go. But I do think that USF might be kind of better prepared kind of going into the competitive edge. However, I also think that last year they had like the most penalty, one of the like teams with like one of the most penalties, um, which is interesting to kind of watch. So I think Strong is going to have 
a lot to kind of work on going with this new team because the opposite, the end of the season was totally opposite of the first half. Um, but I'm going to give it to USF, actually, just because I think that they'll be, um, I don't want to say adequately prepared, um, but I think they'll, they'll have a good round of preparation before meeting um, Navy. So That's my reasoning. For no, that's good, because I really don't want to put down 5-1 <laughs> and one right now. I just, it doesn't seem right. You want to, man. <laughs> it doesn't seem right. So I'm going to 4-2 we got. Um, so I'm going to bring this back up, and because um, I just mentioned it, 6-12 and 12 week exams, very interesting. Um, looked it up, looked up that academic calendar while y'all were talking. So clearly I was paying attention to all that USF discussion. Uh, six week exams, Memphis game, Thursday night. Six week exams, oh, 12 week exams, well, UConn mm. game, Friday night, which obviously should be a win against UConn. Um, we're going to get there in just a second, but both of the exam periods, the, the team has non Saturday games where they're playing in the week of the exam week, and that means they're going to be doing exams like Thursday morning probably um, all together with somebody like, you know, monitoring the exams and stuff while they're preparing for Memphis. At least that's what's happened in the past, unless they have some kind of new way to mitigate that that Coach Ken has come up with. But that's just an interesting thing. I'm kind of glad I looked that up. Um, that definitely makes me even more sure that, about the Memphis one and doesn't change an opinion on UConn, but it's just interesting, I think, for sure. From an opponent's standpoint, I think it's almost perfect. But from a weekday game or weeknight game, makes it more challenging. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Yep. Um, but just just because of the fact it's not a Saturday game, so let's take another break uh, here. We're going to come back and then we're going to wrap up the rest of the season. Uh, we'll push through um, and and finish talking Navy football schedule. Currently got them at four and two halfway through the season. All right, welcome back to the Against the Enemies podcast. We're covering Navy football schedule. For 2019, heading into the season, um, we have them through six games at four and two. Actually, is our kind of vote between uh, between us here on the podcast. Um, and we're coming off of a USF loss at home. They get turned right back around and, and take on a, a good Tulane squad. Austin kind of already hit on their improvement year over year over the last four or five seasons under Willie Fritz. Um, coming to Annapolis for the Trident Trophy. Um, what do we got with Tulane? Yeah, so the, the Tulane game scares me a little bit. I know it's a home game for Navy, uh, and it's definitely a winnable game. Just last year, Tulane beat Navy 29-28. Uh, they've got some playmakers on both sides of the ball. Um, they're tabbed to finish third in the West, which is uh, one well, no, two spots ahead of Navy, I think, right? Yeah, so they're tabbed to finish higher than Navy in the West. They are kind of an up and up in terms of what they're hap- what's happening with them in, in New Orleans. But what scares me the most about this is this is the fifth week in a row Navy football is playing a game. Um, I know there's concerns about the depth of the QB position behind Malcolm Perry. That article just came out by WAGS yesterday or the day before. Uh, And I I think health starts to play a factor here where this could be a more challenging game for Navy because of that. Uh, And while I think a full healthy team, I I, I like Navy's chances, I'm going to assume that we might not be in the healthiest frame at that point. So I'm going to give the edge to Tulane. Scott? I guess I guess I'm gonna go ahead and split again because uh, I, I mean I do think that this is a, is probably the most evenly matched game uh, really of this on the schedule up to this point. Uh, you got to think they pulled it out just barely over Navy last year, and even all those I, I think all of those factors um, are completely true that Austin named in terms of health and stuff. But and maybe it is a little bit more. Um, there's a little bit more of that on a triple option team, but I, I think Tulane will be kind of going through the exact same thing. Um, 
and so with home field advantage, um, with Navy being a battle-tested team, I think Navy can pull out this win. Agreed. I agree. Dang, I'm look. I'm looking like negative, negative Nancy. Yeah. So we got. Well, so actually, we I, I think we're saying the same we thing. I'm just yet, going though. whatever, basically the opposite of what you're saying. Honestly. <laughs> you want me to take it? Next time, I'll do that. So, so I think it's interesting because we got yeah the Air Force and Army are going to say are saying Navy's going to win this game, and I look at it, and, and one of my big deciding factors, Austin kind of went maybe health and in this. Um, it is my birthday that day for that game, so maybe Navy's going to going to give me a nice birthday present, but um, they <laughs> will have already played Army on the season, right? The only common opponent that Army and Navy are going to have on the year. Um, and uh, they don't run the exact same, you know, form and scheme of the triple option. Um, but you get that look at Army um, and then have two more weeks, well, three more weeks, uh, two more games, three more weeks with uh, UConn being one of those games right after Army. Um, you can imagine whatever wh- whatever that outcome of that game is between Tulane and Army, uh, which we'll talk about that game next week, that they're going to be able to, put some practice time in probably during UConn week um, at least a period or two to continue to, to work knowing that Navy's coming two games um, later and so yeah I would actually probably say um, that I would maybe give that one to Tulane just a slight edge so but my vote doesn't count so we got Navy at five and two craziness this is craziness what are y'all well, talking about well ch- Chalk them up to six and two, Justin, because yeah, we got UConn the very next week. It's not even worth our conversation. Uh, not because of the football team, just because, like, what they – just the whole fiasco with getting out of the AC and the way that – especially their fan base. I'm sorry. The way they've been just, I don't know, thinking yeah. that – just, just from a karma standpoint, it is not on UConn's side this season. No. It just makes sense. I mean, their defense was the worst defense, like, in FBS history yeah, last yeah, year, really and they bad. really haven't shown any signs of why they should be better they, than like, that. They broke Bill Connolly's math, essentially. Um, so – <laughs> anyways yeah six and two we're not i'm not yeah just you guys want to be gone good we're not going to talk about you it's like Vold- voldemort next uh, all right bye <laughs> week coming off of yukon probably comes at a good time because hopefully we can can limp through that game to to pick up a victory and if, if we have this down as six and two now which isn't crazy we're bowl eligible uh, eight games <laughs> into the year what <laughs> um, and then we have to go to notre dame Take on the Fighting Irish, a team that made it to the college football playoff last year uh, before Clemson got their uh, got their hands on them and took them down. But they have Ian Book back at quarterback, um, a solid defense, and former Navy player Alohi Gilman is still there and, and is a really, really good NFL prospect in the secondary um, as a safety. And, um, yeah, so Notre Dame, yeah, kind of the same as UConn maybe. We don't really need to talk about this that much. <laughs> In the interest of letting uh, make Scott keep this podcast in a, in a trimmable <laughs> time, yes, I have I have Notre Dame winning this game. Agreed. That's a lock. I will say, the over unders. <laughs> I'm actually slightly surprised that, that Notre Dame is only an eight an eight and a half um, in the over under. That's another discussion for another time. But um, they're only an eight and a half there. Um, so all right, so we're six and six and three. Um, and then we get a, you know, what I think will be a really good, interesting game um, back home. Once again, the schedule is just, as we're even talking through it, just set up so well. But you come off Notre Dame, all right, that's going to be probably rough. But you come home um, for a team that I definitely think we want at home this year uh, in SMU. So what do we got from the Mustangs? Yeah, so um, they do pick up a bye the week before facing Navy. So that's worth something where Navy's playing Notre Dame the same weekend that SMU is getting a bye to kind of prepare for Navy. So they have a chance to get healthy and 
and work on the option a little bit. They finished 5-7 and seven last year, had a 31-30 win over Navy at home. Um, they are tabbed to finish 4th in the West, uh, have a stud wide receiver in James Porche. So I, I think there's uh, playmaking ability on the SMU side, but if I already said Navy's going to drop a home game to Tulane, I feel like I have to say they're going to pick up a home game win against SMU. Like maybe they split those. Ideally, they win both, but I don't see a possibility where they lose both of those this year. So I'll give Navy the win over SMU. Yeah, I'm not trying to jump ahead, but I actually feel the exact same way as far as that split um, and how I feel in those two games. I think I don't. I, I like to think that they won't lose both of them, and I like to think if I'm picking that I think that SMU is the one of those that, that they win. So, um, Scott, Kayla, you guys going ahead and just going to go against us and give Navy a loss here? Or? No. I mean, I, no. <laughs> I, I will say that I think the bye week and then playing um, – before Notre Dame and then coming off of what we uh, all will collectively had agreed was a quote-unquote loss. Uh, we will see what happens. We'll just set them up. <laughs> we'll set them up uh, for like for a win against SMU because I just think that's just it, – it just makes sense for them because um, I think it will be good for them coming off of Notre Dame and then traveling ne- next to go to Houston. Yeah, I- I, I think this is kind of similar to a like Tulane situation. Um, the one person that's kind of that I think could be a little bit of a test um, was Xavier Jones. I, I don't think he had a very big season last year, and I think he lost his starting spot after uh, sophomore year. But I think he's looking to be a comeback because in 2017 he was fantastic and uh, kind of a lackluster year last season. Um, but I, I think maybe having him um, back in the starting spot, he is experienced. I think it could pose a little bit of a challenge, but if Navy can find a way to shut down that run game, um, and then they usually have a, have a, a pretty decent passing game, um, I think they'll be okay, though. Yeah, all right. So we got uh, a Navy victory there, so we're at 7-3. and three. Um, Heading into back on the road, um, and this is our uh, post-Thanksgiving game, Thanksgiving week game at Houston, um, a team that... Brings in Dana Holgerson from West Virginia to take over for Major Applewhite, who got fired thanks to Army. Um, so, Austin, what are your thoughts on, on the Houston game? Obviously, that's however 11 games into the year for them. So, whatever adjustments they're making to Holgerson, they've got them by that point. Correct. And that's that's my biggest fear in this matchup. I think uh, you know early on in the year, you might say Navy has a better chance of a win or something, but I think this late in the season... Uh, with Dana Holgerson under the helm, that they're gonna they're gonna write that ship that Major Applewhite kind of crashed, sunk and buried in the cradle deep after that lost army in there on the Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, because I think by now, by uh, late November, Houston's gonna be a pretty solid solid team and uh, should be the favorite to win the West in 2020. Eh, actually, I don't know. That's a bold prediction. We got a lot of changes of the QB, lose King and stuff by then. So who knows what'll happen? But at this point. I like Houston taking the win. And before before you guys jump in, I do want to like let's let's just go ahead and put it out and because this is gonna be Kayla's chance to really gloat about that that win, and we have brought it up numerous times on the podcast and and on the site. <laughs> but let's not forget King had had gotten injured at that point. King was not playing in the Armed Forces Bowl. That's uh, true. Ed Oliver sat out the Armed Forces Bowl. Um, you know, the, uh, the a lot of their playmakers now they should, still should not. I mean, seventy to fourteen that should not have happened. Um, but this was not the same Houston team. Um, the Navy played earlier in the season um, in Annapolis and certainly that had some some good wins earlier in the year. They had kind of already fallen apart, you know, to a large degree. But still, at, at 70. 
I think not not only from a player standpoint, but I think I think the the team was over Major Applewhite too, yeah. right? Like I, I don't <laughs> think they were playing for anyone at that yeah, point. Yeah. They were just ready for the season to be over. All right, so Scott, Kayla, either one of you, what what you got on the Houston game? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to keep that that Army Houston bowl game out of your mind, but I think at the same time Houston will be a renewed team, um, and I think that Dana Holgerson is a really great coach. I think he's a good leader, and I think he's going to be able to keep his team focused. And this is one of those games that is going to be totally dependent on what how these teams are up to this point because, I mean, as much as every single team will say take it week by week, there's absolutely no way in my mind that Air, that Navy isn't thinking about the Army Navy game that they're going to be playing after Houston, um, and as much as the season is set up really well, it is it's long and it's grueling, and with those bye weeks and everything, it's kind of spread out. Um, so I think that Houston will go into the game potentially with a better mentality than Navy will. Um, that's not to say Navy doesn't have a chance, but I, I think that Houston will definitely have an edge over Navy in this game. I will say that not only I know we had you know mentioned that Houston's going to have this time to kind of you know remake this team but this isn't his first time working with Houston at all um kind of looking at some kind of you know previous staffing he was there two years with the Cougars and the offense averaged 563 yards um 470 17 of them being through the air um you know he had uh, the Big East Conference Championship with seven, 70 over 33 against Clemson so I don't think that this is necessarily new for him um it's like kind of just coming back to to home he's from you know Iowa originally I don't think this is going to be necessarily a, a totally new team for him to come and kind of rebuild or help rebuild this program um so I have I have Houston over over Navy with this yeah man why well, you got to go bringing up the Clemson West Virginia game <laughs> why you gotta do that you're having a good podcast I, I don't I don't like smoothly, Clemson <laughs> and then you gotta go bring that up <laughs> so fun fact for those that aren't familiar <laughs> this isn't his first rodeo so no, he's a good coach uh and not, i echo everything you guys said so um we'll, we'll go ahead and, and make that a loss and seven and four for for navy and we're at an hour now so i guess we'll just stop the podcast and uh that's it seven and four record and uh <laughs> Yeah, because obviously they're gonna uh, lose. I guess we'll. Uh, I guess we'll, I guess I'll sign <laughs> off with the beat army. Yeah. So uh, all right. So I, I'll be honest. If we if it's seven and four and we're heading to the army navy game, I'm I'm feeling I'm You're feeling like, pretty good. I'm feeling pretty listen, good. Listen, navy seven and four. If, if I'm they go navy's seven to four to to end the the mini streak as I'm calling it right now, and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm still. I mean, I'm never. I can't pick army to win. So I think navy ends the streak this year. Starts their own streak again. That's just good right. faith. We know we know what Kayla's going to say, so I'm just going to go ahead and cut. Yeah, like, we don't really. We can. How about this? Because we're already at an hour. We got Army next week. We'll do our <laughs> deep dive to wrap up this three week series with the Army Navy game um, last week. Yeah, on because when, let's be honest. When we talk when we talk about the Army schedule, it's going to take it's twenty minutes. Like, oh, that's a cupcake <laughs> game. That's a cupcake yeah, game. Yeah, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of hot takes <laughs> oh, about the schedule that I really I really need to get All out. <laughs> so, so yeah, so let's, we'll do that. So I know what Kayla's going to say. We already know what Austin's going to say. So Scott. Um, we we'll go ahead and it'll be the, I mean, it'll be the same thing next week, but, um, we'll talk more in depth about the game, but for, what do you got? I mean, you're the deciding factor here. Just curious to hear. 
Uh, it's very rare that I will say this, but let's go Navy. Like yes. I said, I think that I think Air Force or I think Army yeah. is. I think their time is up. It's a very simple concept wow. that Jeff Munkin runs, and I think that it's hard to Man. dispute it. I think that Army fans, it's an, they live in an echo chamber. Um, I think, but it works. It, it it works. But here's the thing: if it really worked that well, every single team in the country would switch over to Jeff Munkin's plan. It works when you're playing against these cupcake okay. teams the entire season, and you have balls bouncing okay. right away. The fact of the matter is, they're really not that good. Air Force on a down oh. year only lost oh. seventeen to fourteen. And I think that their time is up. For those who Scott, you you can come Scott to Nashville anytime you this. want to. For, for those who missed <laughs> last week's episode, um, we talked Air Force Army. Um, this is not a surprise or a shock to hear Scott talk two. like this. And I really am. I mean, well, he's been saving uh, this. Next week and is, I will next also week will be the I will most, also uh, be. I will likely be deleting all of these podcasts come October twentieth as well. Yeah, so. yeah. But, but next week is going to be just a fire episode because. Um, it's just going to be, I think, a back and forth between Kayla and Scott, and Austin and I are just going to sit back and and uh, and listen because, yeah, I mean, obviously Scott has some some uh, some opinionated thoughts about about Army, um, but I like that. So we had Air Force at eight and four. I, I was shocked at that. I'll, I'll be honest, I was shocked at that too. I was like, oh man, eight and four for Air Force? No way. I am like legitimately <laughs> shocked. Like we're taking it up a notch. So might as well just go ahead and pencil Army in it. Uh, 13 and well, Scott won't give him any votes, but 13 and 0 next year, um, and uh, or this year, and for next week, the way we're kind of elevating this, but eight and four for Navy, eight and four, Austin. All right, so we'll end with this eight and four. Uh, what are your thoughts if, if Navy's eight and four, um, come the end of this year, which based on our games, uh, would mean that they hold the CIC trophy outright, um, with an eight and four record? How are you feeling at the end of the year? <laughs> Stupid question. I'm feeling great. <laughs> and I'm probably buying tickets to the bowl game. I don't, unless it's the military bowl. I don't know. I'll go to the military bowl. <laughs> you already know where to do a live show. I mean, we'll be good to go. Yeah. I would, I would actually I'd still yeah, go. I would too. It's actually a good bowl game. Um, all is. right. So, Aiden Four, yeah. I mean, with, with the CSC, that's what we just gave Navy in this podcast. So, um, yeah. For everybody that's been calling me a Debbie Downer and stuff, here you go, Navy fans. Um, I hope they can live up to your our expectations. Oh yeah, Scott. I mean, Scott already said like he's got that power on megaphone. He'll just go in and delete all these episodes. Um, That's why uh, FanDuel doesn't let us set the overrunners. Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> what was it? What, what was it? Was it five, six, six and, and a half? half I believe five and a half or six and a half. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I said this in in my uh, written preview for Air Force. At the end of the day, I would take an Air Force. Two and ten season with the Commander Chiefs Trophy over a ten and two season where we lose to Army and Navy. Yeah, I don't know. I ten and two versus two and ten. I don't. Know. I want to win some of those games in the AAC, but um, but I, I see where you're coming from on that. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's the thing. When I said eight and four, and then I was thinking back to it, I was like, oh, and that includes the CIC Trophy based on the votes we just gave. Um, I mean, that's. Literally is. All right, let's let's not say what would be six. Let's say what would be the what would be the worst record you would be happy with if Navy won the Commander Chiefs Trophy. Two and ten. (laughs) Two and ten. There you go. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, because well, the thing is, like, when you start getting into two, ten, three, nine, four, eight, whatever, like, unless it's six and six and they're going to a bowl game or something, like, they're not in contention for the for the conference championship from like eight and four down or something right 
Uh, maybe not even then. So yeah, I mean, I would think none of that other, none of the rest of it matters. So like, why not just take two and ten and just yeah? I mean, I'd be super thrilled. But is it is a twelve and two uh, conference win, bowl game win, conference championship win, bowl game win with losses to your two service academy rivals? Would you would you do that over the two and ten? Well, if it was twelve or a ten and one heading into Army Navy. 11-1, and one, heading into Army Navy after winning the conference championship game, uh, they're going to be holding more than likely with the only loss being the Air Force uh, unless Boy- unless true. Boise runs the slate and, like, smacks Air Force um, in that game. Uh, they're going to be holding that game, the the group of five champion, highest you know group of five champion thing is going to start to come into play there. And uh, uh, if, we're th- if we're talking that potential and then Army ruins it, um, yeah, I don't want to be 12-2 tw- and two if, it, if it plays out that way. Where understood, Scott. We've kept you too long. <laughs> We're good. You can cut this last five minutes out too if you want, just because <laughs> no one's listening anymore. <laughs> After we said eight and four, and eight, I was like, "What? Okay, what? <laughs> okay. stop <laughs> listening." Um, all right, good stuff. Uh, it's been another good episode. Once again, um, and even though no one's listening, check us out. Mission Barbecue uh, upstairs, August thirtieth, prior to the Holy Cross game on the thirty-first for Navy, kicking off the season live show from 5 to 6 30 p.m and then catch us with sea wolf brewery on saturday the 31st at the tailgate um, at navy marine corps memorial stadium it's going to be a good time we're looking forward to a good season and we'll be back next week to talk army football schedule good army congratulations to the navy midshipmen Winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Now, the Lord of the United States, the Constitution.